Good evening, wanderers and wool gatherers. Welcome to the 122nd episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. On tonight's episode, we review the latest record from Panic at the Disco. Spoiler alert, not digging it. Uh, we're going to talk about groups that produced multiple other groups and uh, solo acts. And we are going to review the ending, the final four episodes from the Sandman Netflix series, as well as take a look at issue number 14 as we are working our way through all of the Sandman issues. If you like what you've seen here tonight, subscribe and leave a comment and feel free to share this with your friends. And I'm not going to do this alone. I can't do it because I have the living legend waiting in the wings. It is none other than Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. Welcome. Well, living legend, I feel like might be a lot to live up to, but I'll give him my best shot. It's better than dead legend. This is true. This is yeah, yeah. I'm all right with that. I, I much prefer the living legend. <laughs> oh, good. Dead man. legend was a great comic book, though. <laughs> yeah, who did that one? Uh, our uh, that's oh, yeah, gosh, Gavin. Gavin, Gavin Smith. Gavin Smith did the art. Yes, he's. I a, thought so. Kind of local. I mean, he's from here, I think, but lives in Indianapolis right now. So yeah. doing some Current. stellar, uh, stellar work on um, Star Trek. Yes, actually, right I love now. that. That just ended. Actually, the eighth issue just came out. Star Trek Mirror War. So, yeah, um, he's. Uh, I think Gavin is. Uh, he's making the rounds on all the big cons right now. So, yeah, and I saw he did a cover. To something big and he said stay tuned there's turtles. more coming yeah it was, the, it was ninja turtles mm -hmm. that's right yep so good for him making yeah. it working yeah. hard all right well we have a lot on the show tonight and yeah um, you know what we're yeah. gonna do next week by the way we haven't done this in a while and it's my challenge next week so i'm not only gonna do a challenge but i'm going to do lester bangs oh cool all I haven't right. done that in forever, but it stinks because you're the only one that's going to be guessing. <laughs> yeah, I'm normally pretty good at that, but it's been a while since we've done one. I might be a little rusty. Well, I may see if we can get tea bags to join the show at least for a challenge. <laughs> I think it's only only fitting. Bring him out of retirement. That's right. So <laughs> anyway, you had the challenge last week, so remind everybody, and then we'll dig in. There's not really like an easy way to say this it's it's basically so Lacey and i were we were on the road and um there was an eagle song on and she was just like you know like you think about the eagles and how many mega hits they had and then you look at the individual members you know don henley glenn fry uh joe walsh mm -hmm. um Timothy B. Schmidt to a lesser degree, but I mean, even like Don Felder, I mean, you know, so many of them and how many big hits they had individually. And she was like, how many bands can you think of that really did that? And I'm like, mm, off the top of my head, not a lot. So I decided to make that a challenge. So, cause I think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm interested to see if we have any crossover here. Uh, I only picked a few, and I did not pick the Eagles because you had mentioned that. Well, yeah, that was part years. of the yeah. yeah part of the but, challenge. So. But they most certainly would be up there because there were so many prolific people that came out of that group. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, um, how think, many did you I, come up with? Um, I mean, I wrote down four, but there's I could probably come up with a couple others off the top of my head. Yeah, and I think there, if you went with like two people from bands, I think you could mm-hmm. come up with a a whole lot. So I try to come up with at least more, I guess, than than just yes. two. And um, and I I did this all in about an hour, and then I stopped. Um, yeah, if you start <laughs> digging in. Yeah, if you start digging into this kind of stuff, there's like a thousand bands where like the singer left and had a huge solo mm-hmm. career, like the police, you know, there's Sting mm-hmm. and then uh, like No Doubt, you got Gwen Stefani and like stuff like that, you know. But yeah. yeah, what I wanted was more like multiple members that okay. had huge careers after the band. Okay. Um, well, I'll go first. And this one is really... And I've kind of talked about this briefly on the show before, so this one breaks the rules just a smidge. Um, <laughs> well, and you'll understand why, but it was, for me, this is a pivotal band in the creation of other bands. So, um, and it was Mother Love Bone. Oh, yeah, and sure. And only due to the death of Andrew Wood mm-hmm. did Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament leave, but they didn't go join Pearl Jam immediately. They went to Temple of the Dog. Mm-hmm. And then hooked up with Chris Cornell. And that's when they brought Eddie Vedder in. Mm-hmm. And then that's when those three hooked up. And then they went on to create Pearl Jam. So, well, I guess Eddie then joined Pearl Jam. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting story. I, got, I realize that's only two from that band, but it's kind of an interesting story moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I think we can uh, shave off a couple of corners and make that fit in the, <laughs> I, fit in the hole there. I just teabagged it. <laughs> yeah. People have to go way back to learn what that means. He would be proud, I'm sure. He would be. Um, okay, so my first one that I went with is uh, I I went with Genesis. That was my number two. Because you have you got Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford. You know, for people that don't know, he Mike and the Mechanics. Okay. Um, and you know, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins; those careers speak for themselves. So I, Genesis is huge that that one band had mega hits and then generated Mm -hmm. the members generated huge 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 hits yeah that was the first one that i wrote down it's not the first one i talked about because i just wanted to go with the cheating one but that was the first one instantly Mm -hmm. and i believe didn't peter gabriel just get inducted into the hall of fame oh i don't know Uh, he did a live performance and i thought that's where it was of in your eyes Uh, fantastic i mean he's obviously Mm -hmm. getting up there in age but he still got it. It sounded fantastic. So awesome. Yeah. Yep. And Mike and the Mechanics, that was a big 80s thing. So oh yeah. Our younger kids won't. Yeah, yeah. But all right. Well, you just took my second one. So I only have one left. Boo. <laughs> so you got to go again. Okay. Um, I'll throw my curveball out here. And it's not really a curveball. I mean, it definitely applies, but it's very different from the other choices I made. So hopefully this won't overlap. But I went with the uh, NWA. Nice. You got, I mean, you got Dre, Cube, Easy E. I mean, the other members that you went on to do stuff, but those three are, I mean, mega hits, mega hits. Yeah. No, that, that's a great one. I didn't even think about that. I'm mad yeah. at myself now. <laughs> yeah, because my next one really pales in comparison. Okay. <laughs> it really does. So I went with the Pixies. Okay. Um, Black Francis went on as Frank Black individually, mm-hmm. and the Kim Deal obviously went on and had a fairly large album with the Breeders, and then their drummer, 
uh, Dave Lovering, he went over with Cracker and Nitzereb. And uh, Cracker, I love. That was good uh, stuff, too. So, Was uh, Kim Deal, was she the one that was in, uh, oh, gosh, I just lost the name of it. Dang it. Bikini Kill is on the tip of my tongue, but that's not it. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Slater Kenny. Was Kim Deal in that, or was it her sister? No, I think it was her. Hold on. I'm going to look yeah. it up while you're... That is so funny. That popped into my head, but I don't... That's one you didn't mention, so... Yeah, that would be... Um, it's right there. All it right. Members. No, it no, is not. Okay. No, I thought it was too. Yep. They look similar. Shouldn't count. <laughs> All right. So I'll stand with the breeders. All right. There you go. Cannonball, everybody. Yep. I just heard that song the other day. That was a great groove. Yeah. We were listening to, uh, what was it? I think it was like a garbage radio playlist mm-hmm. on spotify and that song popped up oh yeah so all right so i'm up yep okay so kind of an obvious one i'm surprised you didn't say it but i know you're not a huge fan but the the beatles oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> the beatles no. yeah i thought of that one too but no i'm not, I'm not doing it. yeah I mean, John, Paul, George, Ringo, they all... All four did, yep. All four of them. So, and uh, did you have another one, or did you think of another one? I didn't have it. How about um, one band that broke up, and then the two biggest members went elsewhere and then continued playing the band's records? What's that? (laughs) Pink Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) The egos went in different directions, but continued. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, about the Yardbirds. Yeah. That's one that, uh, I mean, that's going back. So like early sixties, but I mean, the, especially the guitar players, it's mostly the guitar players that went through that band. You had Jimmy Page, you had Jeff Beck, you had Eric Clapton. I mean, that's insane. How about Crosby, so, Stills, Nash and Young? Absolutely. Well, actually before that, Buffalo Springfield. Mm-hmm. So that one would so, count. Yep. Um, I there know, was uh, Wu Tang. I mean, all mm-hmm. most of their individual members have done some big stuff. But and who could forget know. an old dirty Chinese restaurant? <laughs> yeah. Just so good on the Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all time classic. Uh, did you have any more written down? I don't. Yeah, that was. I didn't have Wu Tang written down. I just kind of thought of that one when I was looking at NWA. Yeah, I'm sure there are probably a lot more out there that we're not even thinking of. But Mm -hmm. anyway, those were fun, very fun. So I don't know what our challenge is next week. I haven't discovered it yet, but I will let you know in the next couple days. And we're definitely going to do challenge inspired by Lester Bangs. Sweet, because we need to. We just gotta. All right, that brings us to the real work of the night, which is the <laughs> it latest was work. Album, 
owned by Panic at the Disco. Viva yeah. Los Vengeance, and it wreaked vengeance upon my soul. Whew. It did indeed. Um, and you've got a history live with them, but uh, I do. I at least enjoyed some of their older music. So, Panic at the Disco is—I don't remember why—but when their first album came out, somehow I got my hands on it, and I really liked it. It was kind of different. Uh, definitely different than most of what I was listening to at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I almost went and saw them then because they were opening for the Dresden dolls who I really right. wanted to go mm -hmm. see, but I ended up not going to that show. So I wish I had, yep. but um, so uh, fast forward several years later and uh, both of my boys started getting into panic at the disco. Um, my oldest son, Justice, he he got into him more. And then Fane, you know, he's a couple years younger. So he kind of, you know, followed suit and whatever. He, he liked him too. So we ended up, uh, we were trying to figure out some shows to take the boys to. And that came up. Uh, it was Weezer and Panic at the Disco. And somebody opened up for him. I can't even remember who it was. They were terrible. Um. <laughs> So we were like, ah, we'll take the boys to that. And it was a great show. Uh, Panic, I think, really blew Weezer off the stage, um, which is not something, you know, as a headliner, you want your direct support act to do. But I, I think it was an energy level thing. Um, uh, Brendan, Brendan Urie, he's like, I mean, he, he is a performer. He, he really is. And he's fantastic. He's an amazing singer. He's got huge range. Um, he's just a really, really great performer. And then, and then Weezer came on and did like, you know, their Weezer thing. So which is pretty low energy most of the time. So it was a great show. But yeah, Panic was amazing. And then like on their next album, I think... Uh, Panic was doing a headlining tour by that time they were headliners and they played uh, in Indianapolis at the, I don't even know what the hell it's called now at the field house, whatever the sponsor is now. Um, and so we took the boys to that as well. And man, what, I mean, what a great show, a, a powerful, powerful show. There was some emotional moments. There was, I mean, there was like, at one point, Brendan Urie's playing a piano that's like floating over the crowd, and I mean, it was insane. It was it was such a great, great show. And I would see them again live in a heartbeat. Uh, they're amazing. So, I was really I when we had the choice of what we we're going to cover, I picked this because I really wanted to hear what they were up to. And oof, yeah, it was this was a this was a bit of a rough sit. It was. It was. Um... I feel like the target audience for this one would be teenage girls. Um, and then uh, the other thought I had was this is like a pseudo rock opera. It did not feel like, it didn't feel like a record um, that was rock and roll or that was pop. It was somewhere in its own lane and not necessarily in a good way. 
And it looks like Mr. Mundy has frozen up. I'm going to remove him for just a moment, see if he pops back in there. Yes. So, anyway, back to the album. Viva Los Vengeance. Um, again, he thought it was pretty rough. I, too, really thought it was rough. Uh, one thing that we like to do on the show is talk about the album opener. Is it an appropriate song to open up an album? And the opening track on this one was Viva Los Vengeance. And while I did not enjoy the song, I would say that it probably was the best song on the record as your album opener. To me, that made sense. Um, I didn't hate the record by this point, so that was a good thing, I guess. Um, so I didn't love the song, but I really do feel like that was its placement on the record. So kudos on that one. Uh, do you agree with that, Monday? So Viva Las Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um that actually, I actually started watching videos uh, before I listened to the album. And this was, I think this was the first single. So it was the first video I came across. And whoa, it's, I, do, I did not like this song. I, and the video is, I mean, I don't know. The video almost gave me anxiety. Like it was just way too much and crazy and just, odd just weird Mm -hmm. i mean it's like uh did you see the video uh no (laughs) listening unless i listened to this record at least four times so it's not like i just listened through once and i'm like this is garbage i put some time in on it and that's where after listening to the whole thing i feel like this definitely is the best album opener it's just not a great song yeah yeah, the video is just real hyperactive, and I mean, I mean, it's all live. Like, it's kind of a choreographed dance thing, but they're all wearing like uh, I don't even know, not Victorian. It's older than that, I think. Uh, hmm. I don't know, but anyway, they're all wearing like period costumes, and it's just craziness, and it's not good. And the, I don't like, I didn't like the song either. So. The song I feel is just like it's just like it's like there's no break, there's no like okay, I'm I'm out. Yeah, and you can tell the thing is like on all these songs, you can tell he has a good voice. Yeah, just for me feels misplaced on this. And while you were frozen in a way, I said that I thought this felt like a pseudo rock opera of some kind. Or I think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of that in this album, um, not just the song, but right. um, I also think um, speaking to his voice, I love his voice. I love his range. I think he has a he has a good singing voice and he can really belt like, you know, he can belt it out, get, yep. hit the high notes like. He's a fantastic singer. I mean, the dude, they did like an amazing cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. The dude can mm-hmm. sing, you know. Um, <laughs> that must be Paul. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little inside baseball there. Uh, so, but a lot of this album, I feel like he's he's in that high range too much. Like it's not, he doesn't come down enough and, and like really sing. I feel like he's like yelling at us through a lot of this. album. Yeah, no, that that's definitely appropriate. And when it's not 
that part that's pissing me off. It's the lyrics. Oh yeah, um, they're ah, oh, they're rough, bizarre. <laughs> they are bizarre, um, and they really did like middle of a breakup. Oh, yeah, I really felt like that was catering to a teenage girl crowd, and clearly we're not that. So yeah. may, maybe I actually that crowd I, loves that. I don't know. I liked the chorus of that song, but I didn't like the rest of it. My favorite song was probably "Don't Let the Light Go Out." Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as offensive lyrically and uh, musically. It sounded okay. So, and that's one that uh, really kind of showcased his vocal range. So, mm-hmm. that's you know you get it all there. Yeah, no, I thought that was really probably the most solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the local god. I, I thought the lyrics were okay. This mm-hmm. um, didn't like the song musically, but. I, felt, I like, felt like it's like super basic. Like there's just not a lot going on there. Yep. Um, and then the next one, don't even get us started. Star Spangled Banger. Are you Oof. kidding me? Yeah. This is the one with your favorite lyric, wasn't it? Oh my God. I think I texted you. <laughs> I'm on my mower and I texted you after I heard it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. He said they're the, the, the new dead Kennedy. Like, what? <laughs> Jello is not dead and he's rolling over in his grave. Uh, I wonder if anyone has sent that to Jello. I think that would be hilarious. And um, I kept thinking, well, maybe it's tongue in cheek. Maybe, maybe this is, there's an inside joke that I'm missing, but the lyrics do not indicate that it's an inside yeah, joke. I don't know. I yeah, this one it's like I feel like with the title and the the song structure and everything, like I feel like this song is like he sat down. And he was like, okay. How do I write an anthem? And like, and like, <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah. don't, you're trying too hard. If you're, you know, like, I don't know, you're trying too hard. <laughs> yeah, send a better message. The message could be your anthem, not a this dorky is, song yeah. that screams to everybody, "We're the new dead Kennedy." It's like I, I feel like this one is just pandering. <laughs> it was so is the next one in a yes. way. Yeah, and I, the next God killed rock and roll. Um, I really like the sentiment of the song and the, you know, the relationship of a listener to a rock band. I mean, that totally makes sense. But again, yeah. on this record, I don't know why we're invoking the name of uh, Plant and Page. That just seems like, again, you're linking yourself to something yeah. you clearly are not. Why, yeah. why would you do that? I really like the vocals on this song, but not much else. I, and I, this one, I'm, I was like, there's different part changes and that happens in a few songs, but this one, like, I just feel felt like I, like the song's not sure what it wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Um, and I don't have a lot of notes for the rest of the songs because I just kind of get, say it louder to me was just hokey. It was okay. It was okay. Um, yeah. Sugar soaker. Same thing. <laughs> uh, my note, my one note for sugar soaker. I just wrote no. Uh, mine was on middle of a breakup. It was, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something about Maggie had like a kind of a big seventies feel, mm-hmm. uh, again, not great. Um, sad clown. I feel like really wanted to be a queen song, but it was not there. Nope. It was not. And nope. yeah, the last two songs, I didn't write anything down. They were just kind of me. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate that. You know, I like to, ride the whole album out and have lots of notes and things to say about them. But gosh, I was just so disinterested by that point that it was difficult. So 
We don't have I a really, lot of stinkers when we review, but I had high hopes, man. I, I really like this band, but I mean, they have another, there's another album that I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, they have another album that I don't love. And it, it feels like he set out to write a Beatles album. And it, it all has like a kind of a Beatlesy weird 60s pop feel mm-hmm. but you know the beatles kind of they took pop music and kind of experimented with it and did different things and i don't know like but they did it like they mm-hmm. did it then like i don't know it really felt like he was trying to make a beatles album <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. And it's not great. It's yeah. But I don't know. I kind of wanted to see where they went with this one. And here we are. So to the question, we've both answered this. Sorry. Yeah. You came in a little bit late. We both agree that he does have an excellent voice. We don't, we think it's a little misplaced at times on this record. It's a little bit too high and in your face a lot of the time, but the lyrical content really hurts for me it really makes me struggle yeah but yes he has a, a fantastic voice yeah what i said earlier like he's an amazing singer i've seen them live twice i recommend anyone go see them live they're amazing the band he has the band he's put together now because i think like pretty much everybody left after the first one or two albums and it's just brendan yuri and he's just kind of built another band around him and the band he has that I saw in the videos now are is the last one that I saw live. So I don't, you know, he's, he's put a good band together and they're, they're excellent in live. I just, I don't know what's going on on this album. <laughs> I guess I would be curious for people who are like hardcore panic fans, especially mm-hmm. younger people. Mm-hmm. Did this work? Did this attempt to connect with the listener and this sort of anthem feel, did this work for everybody? Cause I, I don't know. I haven't yeah. read any reviews on it. I haven't gone to any reddits or anything to find out, but it just, it was vastly different from their most popular music. And for me, not in a good way. Yeah. So, all right. So for me, I'm going to give it a one out of five and will I listen again? No. Yeah, I mean, I can't, there's really not a single song on here that I absolutely loved. So I would probably, I don't know, I might go one and a half just because I do love his voice. I am a fan of this band, but I couldn't get behind this one. Yeah, hate it when it happens, but it does happen. For There haven't been a ton of times where we have really just panned an album like this, but sometimes. Yeah, like... uh, consensus (laughs) consensus <laughs> there's been several albums where one or one or you know when we had more people on the show there's one or two of us may not have loved it and there's been like you know several you know i'm the fiona apple always comes to mind for me and again that was a disappointment as well because i love her first couple of albums and i was excited to hear what she was up to and i just i couldn't even listen to that garbage <laughs> Yeah. So it happens. It happens. Well, and for me, it was Smashing Pumpkins, one of my favorite all time yeah. bands, and their last album really left me cold. So, yeah. So at least you get honesty here, people. Yep. We're going to pander to you guys. 
No, not what we're doing. I calls them like I sees them. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't see them correctly, I guess. All right. Well, next week we have something special for you. Mr. Money is going to tell us. Next Friday, September 2nd, both King's X and Megadeth both have albums coming yeah. out. So which one are we reviewing? Monday. Um, I was looking for a coin, but I don't have one handy. There's, so do you have a coin app on your phone? No. Um because I really want to do both, but <laughs> we're not gonna have time to do both. Um uh I would say we would probably get more attention if we talked about Megadeth, but I I almost would rather do the King's X. Hey, we're not corporate folks. King's X it is. King's X is, I mean, you know, I've, that's a band I've been listening to since like 1990, 91. And that's their, their album dog man is Good God, top to bottom, man. I mean, it's it's amazing, amazing. So I don't. They're always, you know, they're a trio, so that's always cool to hear that. And they've just they've been around for a long time, and they're they're great. Plus, uh, Doug Pinnock on bass and vocals. That's you know, he's done a song with uh, our friends Beauty and Chaos. So, yep, want to see what they're up to and i'm a big uh, fan of trios so bring it on yeah yep. all right king's echo x it is next week that is exciting and um i can tell you next week we will be doing sandman number 15 but we probably won't be doing any more show because we're going to finish out the first season tonight which is sandman episode six no seven through ten seven eight nine and ten um which effectively closes the show we're not going to talk about the 11th cartoon and well, half cartoon, half not the single yeah. stories that followed. Um, because I have not finished that yet, uh, but I did manage to get through the last four, so super excited. Oh, we got a yay for King's X. Um, Ooh. before we jump into Sandman, uh, did you watch She Hulk by chance? I did. Oh, do you want to talk about She Hulk? I'd love to talk about She Hulk. Did you watch both of them? Yes, yeah, I watched them back to back. I'm bummed. You know, you know how I can tell that I liked it when it got to the end, I was like, what. It's so, more. The second one is like not even 25 minutes long. It, yeah. It's and it so short. felt so short. Yeah. Uh, so the first episode I really enjoyed. I keep everybody I talked to about it, I'm saying I really, really liked it. It felt a lot like watching a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Just because the, it's those two characters through most of it and they're completely CGI. So <laughs> felt like watching a cartoon, but I liked it. Um, I, I'm a She-Hulk fan. You know, I have uh, part of the original run from whenever that was, like, 77, 78, whenever that was. And then, uh, you know, when she came back in the early, I think it was early 90s. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 80s. I think it was early, like, 90, maybe, 90, 91. John Byrne brought her back, you know, did a series with her. That's where a lot of this comes from, the humor and the break in the fourth mm. wall and that kind of stuff. So very cool to see. And I love the first time she did it, she like turned the camera and spoke and then was like, what? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Like what, what just happened? So I don't know if they'll touch on that anymore, but uh, it was kind of cool. Cause I, I'm really kind of interested to see how they work that into 
being like part of the MCU. Like, so well, how they justified that, I don't know. It's kind of funny. I, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, I think Marvel has pretty much proven that they can take silly entities and mm-hmm. make them work. They can take very serious and make them work. They all kind of mesh together um, in a way that I don't know. You would just look at it on paper and go, that's never going to work. That's ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. somehow they make it work. The, the, ca- yeah. the characters are engaging and they're fun to watch. This was not a thinker. You know, this was just mm-hmm. a sit down and I'm going to have fun and enjoy myself for an hour because yeah. she is so darn likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character's fun. Didn't take itself seriously. Uh, I think most people like Bruce Banner and Smart Hulk and Smart all of that, uh, yep. which is pretty fun. And it just, I don't know, it was almost whimsical. <laughs> it was so dorky at times, yeah. but it just was endearing. I liked it a lot. And people I watched it with liked it too. Yeah, I like the the origin, or not the origin, but I guess kind of the origin. Is, yeah. But like basically how she got her powers, um, they really kind of took the original idea and basically simplified it. Because originally in the comics is it's an actual blood transfusion. Like I don't I don't remember what happens hmm. to Jen, but something happens and he has to give her a blood transfusion because they're like the same blood type, but then you know the gamma radiation and all that. So this was a simple like they're in a car wreck, they're both cut up, his blood gets into her, and I'm like, cool, yeah. that works, it works. Yeah. So. And it was very brief. I mean, that for, yeah. I think the first one was a long one. It was, what, 35 minutes. Um, and it went through a lot. I mean, that yeah. was a dent. There was a lot going on in that. You know, I heard, actually, I was actually listening to uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts today. And he and another guy, they were talking about that, actually. And they were saying that they heard that that first episode was not originally the pilot like all of that happened later and they kind of for whatever reason they restructured some things and kind of pushed that to the front i don't know they floated the idea of maybe getting uh hulk in there to draw viewers in or something they were worried about people not tuning in or which i think is crazy but too but yeah, I think they restructured everything to push that to the pilot, and, and that originally was not supposed to be there. Like it's the other stuff was supposed to happen, and then they were going to do that, which I, I think is kind of where the idea of her pushing back and being like, "Man, I got this! Like I know what I'm doing! Mm-hmm. Like don't worry about it! I got it!" and whatever. Because originally she would, had been doing stuff up to that point, hmm. so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think you're right. I think Marvel has kind of earned the trust of viewers that you don't have to know anything about a character and you're going to become invested in it. And, you know, people are going to check it out based on the fact that it's a Marvel show. So, and and it doesn't hurt to have the Hulk up front and then the tease of Daredevil at some point. So, yeah, which is second episode was great. All the stuff with, uh, you know, Tim Roth coming back as Emil Blonsky, Abomination. Yep. That was cool. And that the whole thing where, you know, uh, you know, the moral struggle is like, do I defend this guy mm-hmm. that, you know, went up against my cousin? All that stuff was cool. I, I'm, I'm really digging it so far. Can't wait to see the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. 
and it'll be interesting to see what happens when he abominableizes out whatever you want to say. You hulk out, but you can't abomination out, can you? <laughs> Maybe you can. I don't know. But it'll be fun when that happens. So, yes, great show. Great characters. Really like it. And I yeah. hope it's. I hope that keeps this tone. I don't think it needs a serious tone or to go too deep. Let this play out, and then if you want to put her in somewhere where it's a different tone, I think that would work. Yeah. So we'll see. And also, the abomination stuff should explain how he showed up in Shang Chi. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was that definite connection. It's, yep, because there was the fighting, the underground fighting mm-hmm. thing, and all that. So yeah. It's all connected. It's like that Kevin Feige guy knows what's going on. True. Actually, also, I listened today, the new episode of WTF with Mark Marin. Uh, Simu Liu was on it, so Shang-Chi himself. So that was a pretty great interview and talked a lot about his family and where he came from. He's got a book out and all that stuff. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I really, Shang-Chi for me was an A-plus until about the last 10 and 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I didn't hate it because I just, it, yeah. it took a turn I didn't like as much. I loved all the stuff that in the beginning, the Jackie Chan style fighting and the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that stuff to me was awesome. And I really enjoyed the movie, but the last little bit kind of took me out of it. So. But still, at least a B, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, here somebody said, it's a nice break from the multiverse too. I enjoy it, but nice to see it. Not to be the main focus of all things Marvel. Yep, let it be its own thing. Let it breathe for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of cool, too, because something like Loki, which that show really was self-contained, but the parts, well, towards the end of it, then you know that's coming out, and that's going to be played up a big way in the multiverse. So I like how they do that. That's good. Again, Kevin Feige is just freaking smart. So, all right. Well, we took a small detour back around to the dreaming and so now we're back to the finale of sandman and i there was a little dip for me i think it was during eight maybe towards the end of seven and eight where i didn't like it as much okay the changes i think where he was more um kind of combined with rose in this mystery and working its way through where it was more where it was hands off in the book. They didn't have this relationship like they do in the show. I think I was kind of taken aback, but by the time it got to 10, I, I was just like, okay, what, you know, whatever this, yeah. this works. And sure. I think it did tie up neatly. So six where we left off before that was the death and the hobgab hobgadling, right? Yeah. Yep. So yep. then here we start with the serial convention, right? Um, seven or is that eight? The serial convention starts. It's mostly nine, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. It's I, most, yeah, it's right. almost all nine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes. It's a lot. Seven was a lot of Jed. Yes. And um, and then the combination of Brute and Glob. Yes. That came together in Gaunt. Gaunt. Um, yes. Yeah, it was Gaunt. So, um, that too, I think partially that too is what it left me struggling a little bit to wrap my head around that whole thing with gaunt. But then in the end that also came out in a very cool way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, her being, you know, root and glob or whatever was fine. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the decision 
how they got to the decision to get rid of Brute and Glob, which, I mean, yes, it is fine. The character they ended up using, the new character and her resolution at the end, it was, you know, a nice touch and kind of, you know, shows dream softening and all of that. And her, her I don't know if softening is the right word, but realizing that he's not in this alone and he can, you know, he appreciates the help and input of his underlings and all that. So, yeah, I, I was fine with that. I think the decision, and I don't know what the decision or what went into that decision, but I think if you get, if you take the version from the comic, he's kind of a cold character. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of feeling towards humans. And I think to make it work, on the show, you need a character who is more dynamic and can change and can feel. So my guess is that's partially what went into that decision to show him as a character who is evolving over time based on the circumstances that he's dealt with. Yeah. Could be wrong, but no, I I can see that. Um, Yeah. Cause I guess, uh, yeah. Cause really in the books with like brute and glob, there's really not, there's no real, resolution like that he just kind of sends them wherever he sends them mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. so yeah so and he I does everything that. in a very cold way it's just this yes. is the way it is mm-hmm. you know this is my job this is what i do and um so i don't know yeah. but i liked it i thought that really turned around very well um what did you think about the rose working with him not really working with him but kind of having more contact along the way um I think uh, I think it works. Um, like I said, I, there were not any huge changes in this that I really, you know, bumped into and didn't didn't like. Um, I think the changes they made were, for the most part, were necessary to get to where they wanted to go. And it, I don't think it really changes the, you know, the any giant core ideas of the story and you know obviously neil is running this show so it's Mm -hmm. it's all coming from him anyway so uh it's not like someone else took it away from him like i don't like that idea i'm gonna do this it's it's all you know him and goyer and what's his uh heinberg or i I can't remember his name yeah but uh so you know there's that um and yeah, him being more in contact with Rose, I think, was kind of cool. Um, just because I think that what they did uh, uh, in you know television is a visual medium, and, and comics are as well. But I, I think um, we're talking about moving pictures versus panels on a page, right? So. In the medium of television, I think what they did with Rose was probably necessary just to show us more than anything, like what the idea of what she is, mm-hmm. you know, how that works and what it means and all of that. So, because you don't have like the, you know, the narration on the page and all right. of that, like you you have to show rather than tell, I guess. I don't you know if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And it also gave her seemingly in the show more power 
than mm -hmm. she has. You know what she can do or what is at stake in the book, but here it shows that she shows up in the dreaming. She willingly yes. goes in and goes out yes. on her own mm -hmm. and, and dream is kind of left dumbfounded. Like, how is she doing this? Well, it's because she's mm -hmm. the vortex or whatever. But then I think the other thing that it did, which was really cool in the book, the final showdown with the Corinthian is very anticlimactic. He does stab him in his hand like he does in the show, but then he just mm -hmm. whisks him away. In the show on you know on Netflix, he stabs him, but he's hurt because he's losing some of his power because of Rose yes. and the Vortex. So at some point on the show, you're watching, it's like, oh my gosh, he might lose to the Corinthian. What's going on yeah. here in the book? It's like one panel and he just zaps him away. Yes, so in the book... Yeah, which is actually, that's the issue that we're kind of talking about today. So, yeah. But yeah, in the book, when he stabs him through the hand, it's more like, you know, the Corinthian, I don't, for whatever reason, thinks he can attack Dream. I don't know, you know, he should know better, but he, I think he's, you know, desperate at that point. And he lunges at him with the knife, and it's almost like Dream just puts his hand up to catch it. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like it does nothing, but it, it goes through his hand, and it's just like, yeah, I got it. So, <laughs> and in this one, he's like, oh, like there's actually, it looks like blood. I yeah. mean, like, so it's like he's actually wounded, and you're like, oh, that's different. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty. That was a pretty good moment. Um. So speaking and, of that episode, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, there's also so there's a there's a book out now. You know, they've been doing these Sandman Universe comics, um, mm -hmm. and the one that's out now is called Nightmare Country, and it follows the Corinthian. And actually, in the issue that uh, actually I think it comes out tomorrow. Shh. But uh, I read it. <laughs> um, there's actually a flashback sequence to that moment where he's at the serial convention giving his speech and dream mm -hmm. shows up. And the, so it's kind of interesting to see that. I mean, like it's drawn, you know, mm -hmm. by someone else, like, and it, it was very, very cool to see them kind of do that and interpret that and what it means to the Corinthian now, because as we see, like he destroys the Corinthian. So the Corinthian that exists, now quote unquote now is not the same corinthian mm -hmm. he's been recreated how many times we don't know right and i think one cool thing about that episode and the issue that we're talking about it reminded me a lot of the hundred years story in that it is so much word for word like a lot mm, yeah. of the interactions at the when they go into the different panels, those people talking, those words are about the same. Yep. Uh, the guy who is a serial killer of children, his mm -hmm. line, Funland, I think is what yeah. he's called in here. Fun you know, his yeah. lines are very much the same. It's really cool that they stuck to the script yeah. so much in the making of this episode. Yeah, one of the big changes was um, the pretender whose name I cannot remember now. You know, Boogeyman? Uh, is that, was that it? Was it just Boogeyman? The boogeyman's the, you mean the one who's not a serial killer who's from the yes. magazine? Yeah, the boogeyman. Yes. So in the show, they didn't show his murder. Like we didn't see his murder. They basically just kind of say, like, we dealt with that. Well, but they've they got did. him there and they don't they stab him and then the kid walks in and sees it and runs, and then they have to yes. stop. And then he That's turns correct. and goes for the kid. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, but yeah. in the in the comic, like it's well, it's, yeah, there's there's no kid rushing in and it's pretty graphic so 
Yeah. But yeah, he got his. <laughs> Don't yes. sneak into a serial convention. Yeah. So yeah, that was um, that episode was really cool. It was so I don't know. It was so creepy, but it was shot, and the whole thing was just like, oh, we're just here for a convention, like any other yeah. convention we'd ever go to, until you and get to these panels. Um, there was also uh, in that episode in the collector's episode of the TV show, what they're like when Gilbert saw him and mm -hmm. realized who he was like yes. he freaked out and disappeared and in the story um, he kind of freaks out and gives her the note and says use this name if you must or if you get yeah. in trouble call this name yes and he doesn't really in the show he didn't tell her anything like that i think he just mm -hmm. like ran well he didn't like, need to in the show because she already knows him yeah like she's dealt true. with him and met him yeah so yeah. that is that may, that's change makes sense. And speaking yeah. of that character, by the way, fantastic! What great casting! Man, Stephen Fry is perfect for that. I don't. Yeah. yeah, that was just perfection. Yeah, he was fantastic, and I liked it when he turned back into Fiddler's Green. That was you know that was yeah. kind of a cool concept as well. Yeah. Um, what are we missing in these? Oh, and they kept like everything is pretty much kept the same. The Unity giving herself over for Rose. Mm -hmm. um, actually, doesn't that happen in the next issue? I not definitely not in the one that. I think it's in the next issue. Yeah, so number fourteen yeah. is what we're doing here, and that's strictly like the serial convention. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're not quite we there yet with what we're reading. And the ending was a little bit different too. In the book, it didn't specifically have the serial killers killing themselves. Yes. Yeah. So, no, it's just different. he just basically dream made them all kind of aware of everything they've done and didn't, mm -hmm. you know, kind of that's their punishment. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like them killing themselves. That was kind of cool. Yeah, Little touch at the works. end. <laughs> <laughs> either way works. Um and then uh he goes and visits um desire which was yes. kind of a cool finish as well and he, yeah he, i he, like yeah uh, i like desire's realm um i really didn't uh the doll's house i have to say i i i honestly i'm not sure if i had read the doll's house before now because that is one trade that I don't have. Like I don't have the individual trade and I didn't have the singles until more recently. And I know I didn't go back and read those. So I'm kind of, yeah, I, I didn't remember uh, desires realm mm -hmm. looking like what it looks like. Uh, so that is uh, uh, actually, Nope, I'm getting stuff mixed up. See, <laughs> I got too much going on here. Again, in that in the new book, The Nightmare Country, um, mm -hmm. there are two characters that we find out in the most recent issue um, that two characters that are put up to something by Desire and they return to Desire's realm and you see that. So that's not... I don't remember Desire's realm looking like that. Mm-hmm before the show 
but I I could be mistaken, but I I don't re recall that. All we so, see in the book before this is him going to the sigils to call, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, that I thought it was a nice uh, or kind of a cool interaction between the two because it really like Dream seems to now be back to complete power, and he's kind of forceful and goes in mm -hmm. and lays it on him. And also then he connects the siblings that he's close to. Yes. He says, you know, watch out for me and, you know, death and was delirium. What did he say? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. so. But I, I also, I, one of the big moments in the ending here that I liked was um, when Unity was talking about um, the father of her child with the golden eyes and all and dreams like mm -hmm. what, what? Yeah. and uh they were like uh, somewhat someone said i don't know anyone with golden eyes and he was like i do, I do. yeah <laughs> i do <laughs> and so at that point he put it all together and then when he visits desire later it's like what have you done you know so, and that was, you know, that was the whole game of Rose and all of that was mm -hmm. creating, um, I always get them mixed up. Is it Nexus or Vortex? Vortex. She's so, so yes. Yeah, so creating a Vortex that is um, her, she is a relative of the Endless and there's a rule like the, the Endless cannot, you know, kill each other or something like that. So it's like, you cannot kill you know, your own, they cannot kill their own, yeah. you know, offspring or any family or what, however you want to say it. Yeah. So I'll get like, around it. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. that was kind of cool. Yeah. And they did a nice job too with the, um, you know, in the book, it's kind of creepy when the, she has the baby and then he's like, um, I'll be back for that someday. Cause yeah. that was, you know, <laughs> conceived in the dreaming. That is my child. And so they did that again here, which was pretty cool. And they, mm -hmm. they make him look like a total butthole as well. Um, yeah. Even though he's doing what he needs to do and he's protecting the dreaming. Um, you get it through Rose's eyes. And, uh, yeah. And a uh, lot. What is it? Uh, Lila? No. Lida. Lida. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the lighter Lida and Hector thing we've kind of glossed over up to now. Yeah. But that was yeah. And again, that's the Hector thing. That's kind of a big change. Yeah, Lida and Hector is kind of a big change from the books, but I what they did works. I mean it And in the end you get a similar situation. So yeah. getting there. Yeah. I love that 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 uh they made jed the the old sandman character yes that was kind of cool awesome. that was so good when he showed up in the costume i was like yes, yes. that's great yeah <laughs> and that really made the whole thing with gaunt work yeah um, you know with him empowering or gaunt empowers him you know he's this little kid who's just abused and lives in a basement and and so she's trying to do something with it in a good way with dreams mm -hmm. uh, which have I guess eventually works over Morpheus and makes him change a little bit, which is very cool. So, um, and I, I would say, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but perfect casting across yep. the board. I don't think there's one character that I'm just like, nope, nope, it's terrible. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, 
there was, like I said, I, I had my doubts before about um, Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, but she was amazing. And yeah, I that was my one big, I'm not sure about that, but she, she was great. Oh, and the, she was the final scene with her very mm -hmm. imposing. I mean, she, yeah. I mean, you feel for hey, something's getting ready to happen to Morpheus now. You know, like we are now teased for the next season, even though they still have not renewed this. Yeah, that seems insane to me. And that's another thing that uh, Kevin Smith was talking about. Is like uh, they, you know, part part of what has been put into Neil's contract with this, I with Netflix is he has the ability or the right or however you want to put it to finish this series out. So if Netflix decides not to continue, he can take it wherever he wants. Wow. So I, I eventually, I believe we will see, you know, Sandman play out, but will time will only tell if it stays in Netflix or if they get stupid and decide to not continue doing it. I would be shocked if they don't continue. I mean, you, you debut and you go number one in like 89 countries for like two weeks. I mean, come on, like what else do they want? <laughs> they want, well, and haven't they already renewed uh, Lord of the Rings for five seasons and not one episode is played yet? Or something yeah, crazy. That's not Netflix. No, it's really. Amazon. But I'm yes. just saying, like you, you bank that on that show, so much. Lord of the Rings. I, I heard heard something like uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, it, what is it? Maybe a ten issue or ten issue, ten episode series, and costs like half a billion dollars that they're throwing at it. And I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't Sandman know doesn't. Sandman it. looks gorgeous. There's no way it costs anywhere near that. So no, and it's so CGI. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And I'm going to watch the Lord of the Rings stuff. I, I'm interested to see what they do. But um, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you didn't like the? Uh, oh, shows. not a fan. Not a fan. I loved until they got to the Hobbit and then took the shortest book of all of them and made it into three movies. I tried. Fun. I resisted for a long time and I tried and I can't, I, they're so boring. I can't do it. <laughs> I really liked them. So I'll let you know if it's good. You do that. I will. All right. Any last comments on Sandman? Um, not really. I mean, they threw us a bonus episode. You said you haven't watched both parts of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's basically, I like how they did that. It's, it was a nice surprise. Um, and uh, it covers two issues of the comic that are standalone issues. So they don't have a ton of bearing on what we've seen. So that, that was a good way to do it. It is kind of a nice buffer. Um, one thing I wish they would have done, though, if they were going to give us a standalone episode like that, I wish they would have done the one with Nada. Well, because we've I, already seen her. True, but that would be a nice tie-in later, and sure. have people go, "Oh yeah, 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 she was back in that cage." Yeah, and, and hell. But I, I don't know. I feel like there's not really a reason to hang on to that. Uh, I just, I, I 
just for me personally, I, I'm not mad at what we got. I just wish if they were going to do a standalone thing yeah. like that, they would have covered that. I still think we're we, going to get Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, they've done this, so I don't know why we wouldn't. Yeah. You know, because this, you, you think about the standalone ones, there's the, the two we got, the, the one with Nada, there's like the Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, is that's a standalone issue um that one would be amazing so you know yeah i think i can't wait i I think we'll get it i'd be shocked if we didn't at this point one i'm super excited about now that we know that they are doing these is sandman 50 the ramadan story i don't know if i've read that one oh i've never i haven't finished this whole series so i'm excited that we're reading it Sandman 50 is amazing. It's an oversized standalone issue. Uh, the art is P. Craig Russell. Oh, yes. It is, it's Ramadan, so it's all like Arabian Nights kind of mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Cannot wait. Yeah. We, got, we better get reading. We got to yep. get there. Yep. Um, I, I, and I noticed something, and I forgot to say this, but when uh, we're back at the very end and we're back with Lucifer... And she goes and looks out. I didn't even notice this the first time. It's St. Peter's Square in front of okay. St. Peter's Basilica in Rome in mm-hmm. the Vatican. It's got, you know, it comes out and then it's got the things that go around. It looks like, I mean, the, the intent is that it's circling you, like it embracing the flock, you know. But if you go back and look at it, it looks exactly like St. Peter's Square, which is kind of fun. Okay. So I hope I'm not wrong. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> We're going to have thousands of people pouring in with, yes, you were oh, correct. You were absolutely. Correct. I've been there. So I've, I've seen it. Firsthand. <laughs> I think I'm right. All right. Well, I would say um, I'm going to get, I would give it a nine out of 10. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty darn near perfect. And yeah, there were abso- parts I would agree. that were perfect. Absolutely. So, and um, I, I think before the next season starts, I might rewatch it again. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, uh, it's yeah, I'll probably get a second watch from me. I, I it it's so good. <laughs> I, and I'm sure there are things that I missed. So Oh, I'm sure too. Um but who cares? It was good enough. And I'm glad that people have, have not read any of it are enjoying it as well. Yeah. So let's hope for it. All right, Mr. Mundy. We did it. We talked about a lot. So um, that was what issue fourteen. So next yep. week it's going to be a, issue fifteen, King's X, and inspired by Lester Bangs and some challenge which I will deliver you to you tomorrow. And I may put it in the chat and just shame some of the other boys into coming on for an episode. All right, shame them. We'll see if that works. It won't, <laughs> but I'm going to shame them. <laughs> All right, Metalhead Monday. Where in the heck? Would we find you if we needed to? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. See, it's M-U-N-D-Y because, you know, it's Monday, not Monday. But uh, check me out. I just put up a pretty gruesome graphic picture of my foot that I tore up this morning at (laughs) 5 o'clock in the morning. I wrestled a pedestal fan and scraped a layer off my foot. So that was fun great way to start my day five o'clock in the morning got my foot in the sink trying to wash the blood off so good times good times yes indeed you do well <laughs> yeah i really wanted to write something yesterday it was the 21st birthday of iowa 
Okay. And I've just been so hectic lately. I haven't had a chance to do anything, but I wanted to say something about that. Didn't get to, so I'm not now because it's no longer his birthday. But normally, if I write things, you can find them um, when I post them on Twitter or on Instagram at Foggy's Pal. And uh, hey, Monday, you know where you can find this show? Uh, I hear tell it's uh, kind of all over the place. Indeed, it is. It should be on YouTube right now. So that's there's one. Mm-hmm. We're on uh, the Kokomo Lantern Facebook page. Absolutely. Our proud sponsor, the Kokomo mm-hmm. Lantern. Thank you so much. They do some amazing work over there. And uh, you can also find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and SoundCloud. You can find all kinds of other things over at uh, wanderingswoolgathering.com. And until next week for episode 123. Can you believe we're at 123? Um, No. (laughs) When we hit 150, we're doing a spectacular. Do something. I don't know. And, And it's going to be spectacular i tell you so until next week we're going to play you out with some delicious music from the phoenix supernova jpp Bye.